Welcome to Life Union Video Games, Episode 6, The Inflection Point. Today is November 7th, 2023, a Tuesday. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. Today's episode is a special episode for me and this podcast, because this episode is the first episode with a guest. The guest's name is Lethargic Waldo. You might have seen him streaming. He's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. He's an awesome person all around. Waldo and I met online on Twitch. I followed Shiny Zenny. Then I started streaming. Then I met Sergeant Alpha. And then I met Lethargic Waldo. Followed him on Twitter, not Twitter, Twitch, although I do follow him on Twitter as well. Eventually, about three or four months ago from this recording, I sent Waldo a Discord message asking, Hey, I have this really cool idea I want to talk about. Do you want to join me on a podcast episode so we can talk about it? His reply was, Fuck yes. That's how it started. We arranged a meeting. I went over to his house. Spent an extended weekend at his house, four days. First two days was vibing and jiving. Third day was the recording. Fourth day I left. Wado, if you're listening to this, thank you for hosting me. I appreciate it. It was awesome to get to know you, and I do hope we can do another episode together in the future. The inflection point. What is it? The inflection point is when a video game session becomes a chore. Why? Where does it start? Why do we do it? Waldo and I discuss the answers to these questions, and a lot more. There are many times both him and I go on tangents, and the tangents are great. We talk about things we've learned in our past, the lessons we've learned, everything from gender stigma in video games to... Strength training and going to the gym. This episode is packed with so many life lessons. I hope you, my dear listener, get as much enjoyment from listening as I did from making and editing this episode. Episode 6, The Inflection Point. All right. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Today is... There's sea cleaner. My what day is it today? September 30th, Saturday. September 30th, a Saturday, and it is... A wonderful day in Utah. It's not too smoggy today, and that's amazing. I still like smelling the fresh air. For the first time in this podcast's history, we have a guest. Who are you, Mr. Guest? My name is, well, my screen name is Lethargic Waldo. My real name is Adam. I go by either. I just play video games and shit post on the internet. Yes, and to anybody who watches the stream, he's He's not that way in real life. Well, it depends. If you're, anyway, sorry. Yes, he's different. I promise you. I remember when I first saw your stream, I'm like, what the fuck is this person? Why do people watch this dumbass? Yep, I get that a lot. A lot of people think that the way I act on stream is exactly how I'm in person, and I'm actually a lot more calm in person. I think it's kind of a shock for people when they meet me. Yes, it, yeah, it was. Although I, it was a slow shock for me when I started. I was like, oh, you're not just... Talking about turds all the time. Yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> what I liked was once I finally understood, I was able to talk your humor in stream 
and it worked. I was like, oh, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'm, I've been enjoying it. It's been nice having you out here, too. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for hosting me on Off Favorite Hotel. This yeah. is great. <laughs> Today's episode is about something I, I, I don't think there's an official name for this, but I call it the inflection point. Play video games, most likely you have encountered this where you're playing video game session, it's fun, and then you get to a point where I will stop after I do this goal. And then you don't get the goal, then you get mad because you don't get the goal, and then you get mad, and then soon things are thrown, monitors might have been breaking, oh my god, we've all been there as gamers, and that's what I want to talk about today. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, quality of the inflection point. I should probably get my notes because I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's totally the first time I've done this. What, what, what do you think about it? Like, what, what is your understanding? Like, if I said the inflection point and just now just said it, what comes to your head? Prior, I would have just not really quite understood what you're talking about. But now that, we, now that I have that base definition, I think I would refer to it as almost gamer rage. Oh. It kind of sounds like that. Although it doesn't necessarily always have to be rage. I think it could also be disappointment in yourself for not meeting a goal. I see speedrunners do it a lot. Even though they get a PB, they complain about it because they know they could have shaved 10, 15 seconds here. I think it has a couple multiple meanings, but for me specifically, rage is the first thing that came, came, rage. To, came to the front of my head. Speaking of rage, when I was younger, and I, I had anger management issues when I was younger. The Dreamcast, you have, have you, do you have a Dreamcast? Don't have a Dreamcast, but I played a lot of the Dreamcast games that were ported to the GameCube. So the Dreamcast is known for not recognizing if the disc tray disc is closed, if the cover is closed. <laughs> and so you will turn on the game and instead of going to the game, it'll go to the home, home screen. Oh man, I didn't know about that. I didn't know to search on the internet. I was playing Song Twitch 2. It wouldn't turn on. It wouldn't turn on. It wouldn't turn on. I took the disc out and I threw it like a Frisbee. Oh man. Hit the wall and split in two. Oh no. And then right then, my nine oh god no, the Dreamcast came out in nineteen ninety-nine. So Sonic Adventure came out in two thousand and one. So my twelve year old brain finally realized what happened. Started crying. I can't play this anymore. I mean, I feel that as you can see on this table, there's you can't see view listeners, so I apologize, but there are marks all up and down my table. This is from when I used to play League of Legends a lot. Because <laughs> Anyone that plays League of Legends understands how frustrating that game can be. I've hit my desk a lot. There is one that's not on this desk. It's on my old desk, but it was actually from Final Fantasy X. Very similar experience. I was just doing a casual playthrough. Casual playthroughs always turn into me getting all the legendary weapons. Oh, no. So naturally, I decided to do Lulu's 100 lightning bolt dodge. Uh, Isn't it 200? 200, sorry. 200. 200. I'm in the middle of dodging all the lightning bolts, and I got to about 173. It was oh, the no. furthest that I got. I know where this is going. I have two children, for anyone that doesn't know. One of my children decided to walk in with a question, so I turned my head for half a second, and a lightning bolt struck me. I kept my cool while my kid was in the room, but as soon as he left, I uh, slammed my controller so hard on my desk that I actually cracked my Xbox controller. Oh, yeah. And I typically don't get that angry with games. I'm usually pretty calm and collected, and I wasn't upset with him. I was more upset with the fact that I lost all that progress. Totally get it. I have broken a couple controllers from my youth all the way up to adulthood. It's almost like if if something happens and there's no way to roll with it, that's when that's when the anger happens. Exactly. Even in real life, I had this plan, just 
stuff happen. And I tried to find like two or three courses. Those weren't working. And then I was finally, man, like there's no way to go forward with this. And anyone who's listening in what Waldo was talking about is in Final Fantasy X, in order to get, there is a place called the Thunder Plains that every so often will strike thunder at you. The controller vibrate before you're hit. And if you press X, you get to dodge the lightning. In order to get one of the items to get the ultimate weapon, you need to dodge lightning 200 times in a row. There is a place where you can do it. It's the same frequency. Kid coming in. You're like, I can do this. Yep. Turn your head and mm. Yeah, because most of the time I was basing it off of the vibration anyways. But it was one of those things where I turned and my, my focus was split. And as soon as my focus was split, I missed the vibration and I got zapped. Did you do it again? I did it again and I did get her sigil the following day. But I did have to take a break for the rest <laughs> of the day. I did not play any more Final Fantasy that day. Yeah, yeah. T- taking a break is everyone, if you're, if you're listening to this, and the, the, if you get one thing, take breaks. Like, don't, I mean, I mean, manuals will tell you to take 15 breaks every hour. Yeah. Trails of Cold Steel tells me to do them. Like, who the fuck does that? Yeah. If you're getting angry, just stop. You can come back tomorrow. It'll still be there. Can't remember what game I was playing. I think it might have been, I think Elden Ring has a warning. If you play for like an hour and a half straight, it'll be like, hey, go take a break, get some water. I'd have to, I think it was Elden Ring. I'd, I'd have to double check. It was a game I played recently, though. Link Between Worlds does that. Okay. And every time you save, it's like, you've been playing for a while. Maybe you should stop. I'm like, fuck you. You're like, no. You don't know me. Yeah, I'm not done. I'm going to keep playing. That's like the only Nintendo game they've done it on. I wonder if they just got so much backlash that they're like, oh, that was a mistake. You know, talking about that, things that, that irritate me like that, when you're playing a game like Resident Evil and you die a few times, the game will eventually say, hey, do you want to lower the difficulty? And that is like, oh, a, that pisses me it's, off. it's like, it's like a knife in the chest. It's so infuriating. I hate when developers do it and I wish they would remove it, but it's, I think if I was a developer, I think it would be kind of funny to add because I know how gamers are. I know how people like me are and they're going to get frustrated and it's almost a little funny to think about all these people getting really upset because they died and now they're being asked if they want it to be easier because they keep dying so much. I kind of get it from a developer perspective, but from a player perspective, it is infuriating. Sticker Stars does the same thing. Okay. There is a mini game that I just wasn't, it wasn't I was bad. I was just not understanding the instructions correctly. So I kept dying. It's like, do you want it easy? I'm like, no, I just haven't figured this out yet. And <laughs> yeah. then I did. Then I kept going. But adding that is good. I mean, for you and me, yes. I'm like, fuck you game. I know what I'm doing. Yes. Give me some time. But video games are a skill. Yes. They are hard. So if mm-hmm. somebody wants to play a game, kids do this where it's like, just get them past this one level, this one boss, and then they're fine. Yeah. And it, that allows it to do that. Mario World for, I think, the 3DS will, if you die a certain amount of times, will give you a golden peeing that just warps you to the exit. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. And it's just like, if, if you just need to get past that level. And for some people... We grew up as in we're going to try over and over until we get it. Yes. Now people are like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. If I can't get there and I'm just not going to practice yep. and I'm just going to, or I'm going to drop it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that a lot with my, my kids games where they will get stuck. And instead of just figuring it out, they'll either wait for the tutorial to just like help them through it or they'll come to me and I'm happy to help them. I mean, I'm going to sound old as hell right now, <laughs> but I remember back in my day, it was literally trial and error. Mega Man X beat my ass as an eight-year-old kid for like a year before I finally beat it. Especially like the Sigma stages absolutely rolled me for so long. It's definitely interesting to see how different games are nowadays. 
my wife was like, we were playing Gris. It's a wonderful oh, Gris. Yeah. Have you played Gris? I've never played it, but I have seen a lot of people play it, and it's gorgeous. I played with Tierney, and every so often, she just like, can you give me a pass this part? I'm like, cool, great, I got her pass that part, and she played. And then after a while, she's like, I'm done. But she herself got through the game with me sitting there just getting her past some parts because she wasn't the best at platforming. And it's not the most intense platforming in the world. It's just when you're not used to it, you can't jump right at the end of the platform. I mean, it's a skill set we've acquired over years playing Mario and Mega Man and Metroid. And so we platforming is like second nature to a lot of us older generation gamers. People who grew up on a Super I grew up on Super Nintendo. Yeah, me too. Did you have a Nintendo or just Super Nintendo? Uh, I had an NES. Uh, so my parents, when they got married, they were gifted an NES for, as a wedding gift because oh. they got married in 1986. Damn. Okay. So they had an NES when I was born. So I actually started playing Nintendo about the age of three. Um, I was playing Mario. I was playing Duck Hunt, doing all those. Funny story of how, about how I actually got my Super Nintendo. Um, I was living in California and my family was packing up to move to Utah. And our downstairs neighbors were packing up to move to Michigan they had to take like as little things as they could. They walked upstairs and they gave us their Super Nintendo in like 1993, which at the time it was like brand new. The thing cost like 250 bucks and they just gave it to us. And it was really interesting. And uh, I still have that Super Nintendo. Um, and it kind of, it kind of is what set me on the course of playing video games and ended up resulting in me meeting a lot of my friends and doing things that I do nowadays. So it was, it was kind of a turning point in my life, which is kind of weird to say, but it really was. Oh God, I guess now I have to tell you my history, huh? <laughs> <laughs> my history was not, was not I, I think that's pretty epic. Just like here. So I started getting, I don't know, probably five is the youngest I can remember. So I was five. So it was 1995. The Super Nintendo was out. I think also the Genesis was out at the time. Yep. Sounds about right. Somehow we had a Super Nintendo. I don't know where we got our Super Nintendo. Maybe someone would have bought it. I still have it. It has a crack in it. <laughs> it's this whole giant asshole in the bottom. I'm like, it still works. Yeah. Like if it was like, I don't know, a PS5 with a crack, and I'm like, no, this has to be repaired. Yep. I don't know if my die. I don't know. <laughs> so my sister, who was five years older than me at the time, went to a Bible boot camp. And she got first place because at the end, it's like a questionnaire, you know, do you know the Bible? How well do you know the Bible? <laughs> and she got first. And first place was a Sega Genesis with Sonic and Knuckles. Ooh, I love Sonic and Knuckles. Fantastic game. I remember play, watching her play Sonic and Knuckles, and I eventually played it. I remember all the time I couldn't beat the Flying Battery Zone first act boss. <sighs> yeah. It scared me so much because you <laughs> had to be in the path of destruction. Yep. And just that, and in Star Fox, one of the bosses would just constantly spin. Oh, yeah. So there wasn't a break. You had to always be vigilant. And yeah. that, I did not like that boss. I hated that boss so much. And that's how I started. And then it was me and my mom, SSI, disability, child support. So I just had whatever video games I had. So I played Star Fox there all, just so many times, Super Mario World. I remember when I first finally beat Bowser and got all the exits in Super Mario World. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving up in the world. Yep. <laughs> then she got me a Dreamcast. It's history. I, yeah. I feel that about not having a lot of money to get games. I was a blockbuster slash Hollywood video kid. So I never really bought games. We would rent a game. I'd have it for five days, and I would just no life it for a week. I'd go to school, get home from school at 2.30, and play from 2.30 until bedtime. I would crush through games that way. Sometimes I was able to get a game. The most notable one is probably Star Fox 64. My parents bought that for me for Christmas. I think I played that game. <laughs> it was the only game I had. And I think I probably beat it over a thousand times. Constantly going, 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 playing every single route. It was just, it's one of those games that really means a lot to me. So when you mentioned Star Fox, I kind of got a little like, I was like, oh man, I love Star Fox. <laughs> 
There's a video on YouTube about, uh, it's titled, You Don't Have to Finish the Game. That's the exact premises. When we were younger, that's all we had. So of course we'd finish it, finish it, finish it. Then we just got older as college kids. We could buy our own games or yes. hire them. Uh, we could buy our <laughs> own games. It's like, well, we have to finish. I bought this game, so we have to finish it, even if you didn't want to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and games are like, people complain about games being $70 nowadays. And yeah, it's a little expensive, but comparatively, you look back, Star Fox 64 was 80 bucks in 1997. With inflation, that game is like basically 140 bucks today. You know, unpopular opinion, but I do think games, the more, the AAA, the big budget should be more expensive. Absolutely. And the Barbie's dream house should be like, here's 30 bucks. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think indie games are really important because indie games fill that cheap game need but a lot of them tend to be really good games so it's like you kind of get the best of both worlds with indie games but then you still have your triple a games and i think those should be a little bit more considering how large the dev teams are the the marketing teams the product the product management teams i think that they should be a little more expensive besides you got to support the developers during crunch week or crunch sometime years yeah yeah i mean i have i have a lot of friends that work in the gaming industry and i will hear horror stories about them having to work 16 17 18 hour days because the deadline's coming up or their section of the game has to be done before they can begin the next section of the game yeah i know like a lot of environmental artists i know a lot of music producers within the gaming industry so it's almost frustrating to hear how little they get paid and how horribly they're treated by some of these companies. I, when I first started programming, I wanted to get into the video game industry, but yeah. I started to see all the videos about how bad video gamers are treated. Oh, yeah. And now that I'm 33, I have a life. I have other things I want to do. I'm just like, I can't put 18 hours a day. I can barely put eight. I can get like four to six hours of critical thinking, and I'm just done. Yeah, and it would be you know 18 hours a day at half the salary you have now. That's not great. I know it's not. So, <laughs> so it's just like, I want to work for Final Fantasy 14, but I also don't want to work those hours. Yeah, I get that big time. I was, I was pretty interested in game development for a while, but then I ended up doing infrastructure. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Infrastructure is kind of, kind of lax and I'm pretty, and I'm pretty decent at it. So yeah. I like it. <laughs> you dodged a bullet there. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, my sister and my, oh God, stepsister-in-law, she... I forgot what she does, but she visited EA and they're like, here are the cots our developers sleep in so they don't have to go home. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. This was at least five or six years ago, but I probably EA might be still doing the same thing. Yeah, EA might be having them <laughs> sleep outside in tents at this point. Who knows? Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, that's just, no, no, I won't go home. Oh shit. I was thinking of something and I totally am drawing a blank now. Oh, I went to Riot Studios. Back in 2000, let's see, it would have been 2014, um, I, got, I got to visit Riot. There was something called AHGL, After Hours Gaming League, and it's kind of like, you know how companies have company softball teams? We had company League of Legends teams. Our team ended up going to the semifinals, which they hosted in California at the Red Bull Arena. We got to take a trip down there. We got to go walk around the Riot Studios. We got to go through all that. I got to make some friends with some of the rioters that were there because we got to play matches with them and ask questions and everything. So a lot of them have left Riot now. They talked about how horrible the environment got after Tencent took over. Oh, oh. And how it was such a great environment prior to that. 
but Tencent really just came in and made so many changes that it just kind of crumbled the company. And it's really sad to see that because they were like super passionate about the project. They were super passionate about everything they did and Tencent just destroyed it. I feel like that's going to be happening to a lot more gaming companies as Tencent comes in and continues building this empire that they have. From what I've seen on Reddit, League of Legends has changed. Mm -hmm. It first was super mechanical, super more super meta, more of like discovering strategies and having fun. And now it has been changed to get pentacles. Yep. Because that's what the audience likes. Yeah, they like really flashy characters. And I can imagine StarCraft 2, once Blizzard probably realized that, oh my God, we can like make money from this, from tournaments, they changed in a way to make that happen. And I've seen some tournaments and they're, they're quite fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. League of Legends <laughs> is incredibly fun to watch as long as the teams are a little aggressive. But some of the champions are so fun to watch because they can zip around. They have crazy ultimates that wipe out whole teams. They have all this stuff. But you look back at the older champions and you can tell that the game is definitely moved more towards a spectator perspective and less from the gaming perspective basketball did the same thing there wasn't a shot clock before oh and yeah. so when teams were ahead and like they were in like the last quarter they just wouldn't pass they would just pass the ball they wouldn't huh. make any shoots shots or anything they started to lose money because no one would go to the games because it was boring as fuck yeah i mean yeah if, if you know it's kind of like football football does that they do have a they do have a play timer where they have to make their play within a certain amount of time but I think, I believe it's if you run out of bounds, you can run the clock down. So the, what they'll do is they'll run out of bounds, the clock will continue ticking, and then they will click the play timer down to zero and then start the play and then run out of bounds again. And they'll keep doing that if they're ahead so they can basically force themselves into a win. I understand strategically, it makes a lot of sense. But from a viewer perspective, it's incredibly boring. Going back to video games at least, yeah. they've been changed for a spectator sport. But then at the same time, it's then it, and then it, it enables other people who are absolutely amazing at that game to make money off it. For sure. You know, I've seen the Shadowverse, how much people make for Shadowverse Grand Champions, StarCraft II Grand Champions. It's absolutely, it's insane, but it's like, cool. It fuels, fuels your hobby because you treat it like a job now. And speaking of that, it kind of, that kind of rolls back to streaming. It, it was a hobby of mine that I kind of started almost turning into a career for a while because I did start getting more viewership. I did start seeing more money. And it, the biggest thing for me is when I learned how to be entertaining. And I noticed that there was a huge shift. So obviously, you know, League of Legends making it entertaining, all these other things making it entertaining makes a lot of sense to me. Streaming, wonderful. By the way, catch us on Twitch, at least me on Twitch. When Waldo starts streaming, catch him on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash Waldo, and you will have a fantastic time. I guarantee it. You will leave so fulfilled. <laughs> There's a newspaper article. You might have seen this online. But it was this dude who led a class in the library, but all those students were women. Not stu they, they were all like in their 40s and 50s, not like high school students. Uh, but the newspaper, the lady who wrote it said, thank you for a very satisfying evening, satisfying nine women at once. And then <laughs> the next day, they're like, I am so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. That's awesome. <laughs> Lucky guy, though. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Nine women at once. Holy fuck. <laughs> Another rage I got, although this was again with the Dreamcast, I just couldn't get to start, and I would... No! Have you ever played Sega Rally on the I Dreamcast? I have, but it's been a long time. Back when the Dreamcast that when I was 9, 10, 11, I would get hyper-fixated to the point where I couldn't like, kind of critically think to get better. 
And I would always follow this certain route. And I knew that, okay, I had to be in this place on this race. I had to be on this place on this race because I'm not at this place. I can't get first. I was so mad because once you got a game over, it'd be like, game over, yeah. <laughs> that pissed me off so much. Of course, I'm hyper fixated and I just lost. So I couldn't roll, roll with it. Yeah. They said, game over, yeah. And I just ran to my room, screamed in a pillow. I was fucking pissed. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Anger management inflection point. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to share any more wonderful video game breaking stories or screaming fits? Um, I don't think I really have anything like that. I mean, I've, I've definitely yelled at games over the years, but I can't. Nothing really jumps out specifically right now. But I do remember. <laughs> this isn't. Uh, this is more of a celebration scream and less of a uh, anger scream. But I was playing Dark Souls three. And there is a boss named Pontiff Sullivan. He's notorious for being a wall. People get stuck at him all the time. And I was no exception. I got stuck at him for a very long time. I think I fought him well over 100 times. And when I finally beat him, I, I was like, yes! I slammed my controller down on my table. I slammed my fist down. I'm like, fuck you! I finally won, bitch! I was so excited. <laughs> and my ex-wife walked downstairs and she's like, hey, is, is everything okay down there? Adam, are you fine? Did you, did you break something? <laughs> and I was like, I'm fine. I just got really excited. I'm sorry. So it's kind of the opposite side of that, but still like... It's good to have a positive, positive example. Yeah. So kind of the same deal, but like I did, I, I felt like I thought I broke my controller at first because I hit it on my desk so hard because I was just that done with the fight. That's kind of the same, but a little bit different. So as we have grown older, like for me, I have gotten way better at anger management. It wasn't until I moved in with my dad. He was an actual healthier adult than my mom. And he was like, we're not going to put up with the bullshit. I don't care if you yell at me. I'm not going to yell back and I will not back down. And it helped a lot. But over the years, I've been able to realize that, okay, I'm getting to a point where I want to stop and then I should just stop and not make a goal for myself and then try to get the goal. What about you? What about, how was your journey from the adolescent Adam to now where you're like, I need to stop? Honestly, I was like that right up until I had children. And even with children, I still get a little upset and I, I will occasionally yell, but I try not to yell um, at my children because I don't think it's constructive in any way. But I think having them really mellowed me out. I think they are the ones that made me realize that yelling doesn't really solve anything. I still do it sometimes. Okay, listeners. So this means you need to have children to control your anger. I Continue. recommend not having children. <laughs> I love mine, but don't have children. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I, that helped a lot. You know, I had a few outbursts and ha after having a few, having an outburst at a child who doesn't understand, it makes you feel really bad about yourself because you're like, why did I yell at a four-year-old? It doesn't make sense. So I had a lot of introspection at that point and I looked at myself and I'm like, I need to fix this about me. That kind of just translated to gaming. It translated to work. It translated to everything. So that was probably my big turning point was when I was about 25-ish when I had my first real problem with it why do you think it wasn't it never occurred to you to change until you had children oh yeah i did think if i didn't have children i'd still probably be about as angry as i was prior i think i'd have a very hard time at understanding that i was an angry person because i didn't have anyone to tell me otherwise or show me otherwise because my household was a screaming match all the time me and my dad were always at each other's throats me and my brothers were always at each other's throats we all get along pretty well now but back in the day I was hyper-rebellious, my family was hyper-religious, and it was just a lot of screaming matches. For me, it was the normal. I see, I see, I see. And then, yeah, that environment, if you didn't see anything different, you're like, this is just normal. Yep. 
yeah, unhealthy relationships were the norm for me. It's just like when people have, you know, normal parents and they think everyone has normal parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they find out real quick when they talk to someone. It's like, oh, oh, my how? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Environment and if you never change. Yeah. For me, I did the same thing. I'd get hyper fixated. I would always get to. Uh, so I think this has kind of changed from inflection point to anger management a little yeah. bit, which is fine. Yeah. Where at first was just, if I couldn't get through something, I'll try again and again and then lose and get madder and madder and madder. Uh, there was a point where I was with my stepbrother. My stepmom, I think, was like, okay, you're done with the Super Nintendo. You are done. You've played for like three hours. Turned it off and he threw a hissy fit. And I remember standing there being like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the person having a hissy fit. From there on, it was slowly just getting better and better with anger management. It still wasn't realizing that I was done for the day and stopped playing video games. And then God, you know, I was playing video games as a adolescent and it really, I do, I can't, I I can't remember anything off the top of my head, but I do know I've had those times where I'm going to, Oh yeah, I still do it now, but I can catch myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to explore this thing. I'm going to catch this Pokemon. I'm going to finish this level and then I can quit. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird that when you're younger, you're not able to put that limit on yourself. Because you're just so hellbent on getting it done. You're so hellbent on making sure you complete that one task. And as an adult for myself, and it sounds like for you as well, that you've been able to like look and be like, okay, it's not that important right now. It's not going anywhere. It'll be here tomorrow. So as long as I'm here tomorrow, I can do it then. I'm very much in the same boat. So why do you think it happens? Like, why do you think as children, we can't just stop? I think children are incredibly ambitious most of the time my, my children are no exception to that i think children just they like to complete things and so they'll do anything to to finish things i've noticed it a lot with my kids and i and looking back i realized i did it a lot as a kid too if i put my mind towards something i would do it and there was no stopping me no matter how much how hurt i got no matter how mad people got at me i would make sure that i finished what i put my mind to um and my children are very similar to that for me, I think it's just children are inherently ambitious, and it's just how most kids are. You mentioned completeness, and I know I've heard this in Psych 101 and um, watching other videos, that if something is not complete, our brain is like, the fuck? Like, yeah. you need to finish this. I, it, take, it does take executive function, which is the frontal lobe, which doesn't develop till later, yeah. um, to be like, no... It's okay. For a fun example, when I was in Psych 101 in college, Professor Sparks had his daughter, and his daughter was like five, and he's like, right now you can have this sugar-covered almond, but if you wait two hours, you can have a bowl of ice cream. And every time mm. she would pick the almond, because that part of her brain, she probably knew that she would get ice cream, but the brain, part of her brain was like, no. And I remember as a teenager, when I finally started to get some impulse control and feeling the war in my head being like, don't do this, but it was still really hard to make that decision. Yes. So yeah, I never thought about looking at it from like a physiological standpoint, but yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Why do you, do you, do you think that as we get older, we will kind of naturally not do that anymore? Cause I guess, no, I do it right. I was playing, um, cassette beasts, fun game. It's an open world game, but I have caught myself a few times going, I want to stop but I want to explore this area first and then I'll stop. But then I catch myself and go, just, just save and turn it off. It's fine. Yeah. So even as an adult, I still have it, but now I'm able to go, just, just stop. 
Because then I'll get worse. Then I'll get angry. Then I'll get worse. That's just how it is. I get angry, then I get worse. Then I get angry, then I get, then I get worse. Yep. Yeah, I do that. I find myself doing that with anime, actually, funnily enough. Because what will happen is I will watch an episode. And I'll be like, oh, that was a good episode. I'm going to watch another one. And then it, 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 there's a cliffhanger. And then I'm like, it's past, it. it's past my bedtime, but episodes are only 24 minutes. So <laughs> I think I can sneak one more episode in before bedtime. And then before I know what I'm watching for five more episodes, it's been really hard for me to uh, switch that off and be like, no, it's 1130. Let's go to bed. You got to be up at 545. You don't want to be up until two in the morning. That, that impulse control is still definitely hard, but I think as an adult, I'm definitely better about it. Cause even just a couple of years ago, I was staying up to almost 4am every day off of just off of impulse because i was in the middle of doing something that i did not feel comfortable stopping at the time adhd might be contributing to that i don't know it's definitely a problem for me still but i've gotten way better at doing it of just being like nope i'm done turning it off walking away tv's off in bed so five and six have the same thing just just one more turn yeah one more just turn one more turn yep <laughs> yeah pokemon united's the same thing oh man just only 10 minutes long it's 11 p.m i can do this it's 11 35 i need to go to bed i'm gonna wake up at six I need to critically think tomorrow. So why do you think that, not you, why do you think that it gets to that point? We can, why do you think it's just, we can't just say, I'm done? You know, as kids, I understand the completionist and parents need to go, no, we need to stop. And they yeah. need to set rules early in video game. I almost said career. Video game <laughs> experience, okay, you can only play for this long. Of course, then the parents have to, uh, have to be able to compromise, right? If you know. I'm playing a duty in Final Fantasy XIV. I just can't quit, Mom. They need to understand that. Why do you think it happens at all? I don't know. I mean, I think, it, I, I think it's just an inherent thing. Like, honestly, I just think that we, as humans, have that need for completion. No matter how, no matter our age, no matter anything. I feel like we get that serotonin boost every time we finish something it gives you that that oh i feel so good i'm done i have freedom and it kind of is just there and it translates to everything from work to gaming to whatever and i think it's it's just more the serotonin boost than I anything see. here's my idea okay it's a totally 180 to yours <laughs> you and i growing up i don't know how this the next generation is but you and i growing up it was always Video games are a waste of time. Oh, yeah. You're going to rot out your brain. Oh, yeah. I remember my sister telling me video game music is not real music. Oh. And I would always hide it from her that I was listening to video game music. Funny story. I was in high school, mm -hmm. and I was the student who would just get, get to classes like 20, 30 minutes early. My lunch for my freshman, sophomore, and junior year was like an hour sometimes. It was long. Dang. Yeah, so I just, I'm bored. I'll just leave. So I had a, you know, I had an MP3 player, not an iPod, an yeah. MP3 player. I got to my class early, and then somebody else sat on the opposite side of the door, and I was like, oh, what music are you listening to? I'm like, uh, stuff? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, is that a band? I'm like, that was supposed to get this far. <laughs> I don't know what it said after that. Even now, like, I will wear a shirt that says Sega fanboy. Someone will come up to me hypothetically and go, oh, are you a Sega fan? I'll cross my arms over my chest. I'm like, no, I don't know. Even then, I have the video game stigma of video games are bad. Yeah. You shouldn't play them. So I think growing up, we got that message from everyone. Oh, yeah. Even if they didn't say it. If we wanted to quit, we were, if we were done playing, we just wasted our time. Yeah. We didn't get anything done. But then once we made a goal, yeah. then we could say, hey, I got this goal. Yeah. 
And then we get, we could then give ourselves permission to quit because we finally made a goal. That's, that's where I'm coming from. I think that's part of it. Just now it's not a waste of time. I did a goal. Aren't you happy? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Speaking on like the stigma, stigmatization of video games. I used to always hear that it'll rot your brain. Don't sit too close to the TV. You're going to lose your vision. <laughs> I, I did hear that as well. Don't oh, yeah. sit too close to the TV bullshit. It'll rot your brain, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, honestly, video games are what made my hand-eye coordination way better. Yes. My critical thinking, my thinking on the fly, just all that kind of stuff I think has, has really been elevated from playing video games. And I think it's actually helped me in my career because my career is very reactive. I've always worked in a very reactive field. It's never been proactive. Video games are, are <laughs> inherently are, yeah. reactive. <laughs> like that's, that's what 90% of them are. It's very few that, you know, it's going to be your strategy games that are more proactive, but I'm more of an action adventure platformer type of guy. So having that in my life early in my life, I think helped me in my future. I kind of wish it wasn't stigmatized because I think I could have done a lot more with video games and maybe even have gotten better at them and maybe made something of myself as an adult using video games. Just watch. There's going to be some kid out there who's going to show their podcast, this podcast to their parents and go, see, see, this person said video games help. See, it's not a waste of time. Mom, (laughs) dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, I look back, I look at my kid now. Sorry to keep going back to my kids, but he plays Fortnite a lot, which most kids his age do. Um, And it's crazy to watch him play because he's ranked really high and he's playing with a controller and he's just smoking people that are playing on PC. And it's really interesting because I know he's playing against people that are probably more my age or maybe a little bit younger, but he's so young and he's able to pick up so many, what's the word? Skills, I guess. And he's got such good hand-eye coordination and everything like that, that it's really interesting because I am not that good at Fortnite. I get smoked and I'm, I've been playing video games for 30 plus years. So it's really interesting to just see like how much it's been changing him. And he started playing sports recently and it's been helping a lot. He typically has like better control of the ball. He's got better control over everything than the other kids. And I think a big part of it is because he's played so many games for so long that he's just inherently quick on his feet. You and I, we could actually be good at Fortnite, but we would have to practice Fortnite. Your 12-year-old son, daughter, they, them, son. They're 12. They have all day to play. We had all day to play video games when we were younger, and that's why we are so good as we are now. I call myself a professional gamer because I can pick up mostly any game and just start playing it. Not to the best, but I can play it. But yeah, hand-eye coordination. My sister she was practicing controlling a robot for surgery and she was joking. She's like, I kind of want to bring you along so you could just whip everyone's ass. Yeah. Cause you play video games all the time. <laughs> you have that hand-eye coordination. Yeah. It's really interesting how technology's come so far that people that played video games seem to have almost an edge over other people. I think it's kind of cool, especially with robotics getting as big as it is and just technology really starting to dominate workforces, all workforces. I mean, construction even is heavily has been heavily invaded by robotics and large vehicles and all of that that basically have video game controls. So it's it's really interesting to see how much more proficient X gamers are in these fields and how much they're really starting to surpass prior generations. Going back to the stigma you mentioned that, yeah. do you think there's a stigma for uh, uh, gender? Listeners, I, I understand gender is a huge thing. I, I totally get it. We're not going to cover everything because our experiences are cis hetero men. 
just an FYI for people who are listening. I do think there is a stigma attached, but I think there's a stigma attached too. And I'm going to, I'm going to speak in binary terms. So I apologize for anyone that is not happy with that. I think men and women both do have stigmas. Women, they're not allowed to play video games. They're not allowed to be into nerdy stuff. I mean, that's obviously changing now, but even now you hear somebody, you hear a woman that works in STEM and it's like mind blowing. Like, I can't believe you're on a research project. I can't believe you work for NASA. I think women definitely have a stigma. And I think men have a stigma where they're kind of expected to be the breadwinners and they're expected to work and not ever be home alone uh, or be stay-at-home dads or anything like that. So I think there is definitely some sort of stigma for men that is kind of archaic. And I think we're starting to kind of break those norms. Yeah, at Microsoft, there's quite a a good amount of women. I'm so excited. That's good. Yes, I I love it. Microsoft is one of those places where they do try their best to just not hire white men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that at Adobe a lot too. We actually had quite a large female workforce and it was really nice. A lot of them were uh, more in quote unquote female positions, doing things like marketing and and, uh, graphic design and stuff like that. But we did have a few people that were on my team on a more technical role doing incident management, system administration type stuff. And it was really interesting because a lot of times they were better than any of the men I worked with. They were smarter. They, I feel like maybe they felt like they had something to prove or something, but it was really refreshing to see that in a workforce because my prior job, it was very white male centric white male locker room talk yeah mm, so it, was, it yeah. was a lot of that so having having that dynamic and having that diversity in the workplace was very interesting and it was uh it was awesome i liked it i think it made me a better person overall i i do believe stigmas are there and i do understand that our generation and the previous generation yes it was very act like a woman act like a man i think in video games i don't think there was a difference I yeah. think both both girls and boys had the same, I now need to make a goal. Yeah. Both girls and boys were told it's a waste of time. It's going to rot your brain. Yeah. So I, I don't think there was any gender difference in that point. When I was a kid, I would think there was a little bit of a gender difference. I feel like girls were not supposed to play video games, quote unquote, supposed to, um, and that it was a boy thing. It was actually first, like in the Atari age, it was just, who cares? It was for everything. Yeah. But it wasn't until Nintendo where people were like, it, this is, it, let's make video games for boys yeah. and video games for girls. Yeah. Don't quote me on this. It's just things I've read. Yeah. I can't like give you a bibliograph or something. And I know a lot of women that play video games, a lot. But I talked to a lot of them and the majority of them were like, yeah, I played video games with my brothers growing up, but I always had to hide it from my friends. I always had to not tell people at school that I played video games because I would be relentlessly made fun of for being a girl that plays video games. I feel like that was a horrible stigma when I was a kid. If you have any of those friends who live near me, I would love to have them on the show. (laughs) And I would love to hear those experiences. For sure. So if you know someone, get me in contact and we can figure out travel arrangements. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in worst case scenario, could always do a, a digital... Do it, or do it over Discord or something. I know a few people like that, and some of them did not care when they were younger. They were just like, I play video games, and you're going to have to deal with that. Then I know a few people that really were like, I'm a cheerleader, but I go home and I play Magic, and I play D&D, and I play Final Fantasy games. But they hid it from everybody. The first year, Tierney and I, Tierney's my wife, went to Geek Girl Con. We went to, I forgot what the panel was about, 
I just remember that there's this one girl talking about how she played video games in middle school and high school. And she told people and she was put on a pedestal, not as in like an idol, but she was people wanted to date her more. Yep. People wanted to talk with her more because all the boys played video games. And it's like, oh, my God, a woman plays video games. I want to talk to this person. Yeah. And she was like, it was such a weird feeling just telling people I played video games and immediately everyone wanted to be with me. I guess I should clarify. It was it was the other girls in high school and middle school that were very aggressive towards the girls that played video games. The boys, like you said, were always like, hell yeah, let's go. You play Halo? I want to go play Halo right now. Let's go. And I, and I was definitely one of those boys in high school and I found out a girl played video games. I was kind of like, Oh, Hey, want to hang out? So (laughs) So, did everyone else. Yeah. So I was definitely, I was definitely (laughs) one of those guys, but yeah, I, I really like that it's kind of gone away and that, some of the most successful streamers I know are women. And it's not because they're women. It's because they're good at the games they play. It's because they're not afraid to enjoy their hobbies. They have a good time when they're on camera. And it's, I, it's really awesome. And I like seeing it. So I'm glad that stigma is kind of starting to dissipate, even in younger generations. My son plays Fortnite with like three girls from his class all the time. So it's very cool that that's not like a bad thing to do anymore. Yes, my nieces and nephews are also gender mixed, you know, play girl, play games with girls, do cook with boys, whatever. Yep. I do enjoy that. It's that's not there anymore or it's going away and not just going away, but implicitly going away as well. Right. Yeah. The one phrase that is why I want to get stronger and build muscle is, oh, look what a big, strong little man you are. <laughs> Let me see those biceps. Yeah. <laughs> There was, I'm doing an example from the book, I Don't Want to Talk About It, where this mom wrote a birthday card for her son. It was like, I see you when you're raging. I see you when you're screaming. I see you when you're kicking. And her son just hated it. Yeah. And she was like, why? I was like, I don't do those things, though. And then she realized, she's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't. So then why did I just put that on there? Yeah. And just implicitly, she was like, he's a boy, thus he does rage. Yeah, he gets angry. (laughs) Yeah. It's the only Boys. thing you're allowed to do is be angry, damn it. Yeah, and especially when they're, you know, going through puberty, testosterone's pumping through their body like crazy. They're going to get mad. Testosterone makes people angry. Yeah, people need to be a little more understanding of that because it's going to happen to everyone. It happened to them. I have a niece. She understands the gender role because she's right. Oh, I think she's maybe seven right now, but she understands the she can cry and get her way. She can look yeah. pretty and get her way. <laughs> yep she can totally do that yeah my little my little girl's got to that point she uh, she knows she can sweet talk her way out of most things so <laughs> it's 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 fun yeah do you so for me it was the changing point going back to video games and inflections was seeing my brother on the floor i'm like i don't want to be like that it took a long time because you know when you're 10 nine you can't just snap your fingers and then change right yeah, yeah, your brain's not there yet also even as adults changing takes time changes hard it changes hard for me it wasn't the once i passed that point i didn't realize it it was once i realized i know i can do this jump i know i can do this thing why am i not why can't i do this thing now that was when i that's for me when i started realizing okay i need to stop oh i got to the point where i'm trying to just finish this jump and then i'll be done yes what about you? Do you have signals that you listen to where you're like, 
maybe maybe besides that it's 11 12 and you need to go to bed because you're gonna get up <laughs> at 5 45 in the morning so when i was doing a lot of speed running that's when i kind of really started noticing it that i can work on something all night so Mega Man x has um there's a heart tank in one of the levels that you can get without having the proper upgrades which one is it? Um, it's it's in uh, Boomer Quanger stage. I know what you're talking about. Um, yes. It's called Iceless. If you wall kick off the wall at the on the right pixel on the right frame, right couple frames, you can you can barely grab the edge where the heart is, and you can do it without having the ice and arm upgrade, which saves a lot of time because that means you can hit that stage second rather than having to revisit it as like a fourth or fifth stage. I was about to be like, why don't you just use Boomer Quanger's boomerang? Well, I got the speed run right. Yeah, because yeah, you'd have to go back. So yeah, that's not an option either. So. Doing that, I, I remember one night I was working on it, working on it, working on it. I spent like four or five hours on it. I only got it like five or six times. And I was like, you know what? I'm just getting frustrated. That frustration is kind of what got me to that point where I'm like, I think I'm going to call it a night. I kind of also remembered like, you know, when I sleep, I tend to process all that data. My, my brain's actually able to start to apply it in a different way than I was doing before. I slowly realized that if I am working on something and I get stuck on it after like an hour or so, I need to move on. I either need to work on a new thing or I need to go to bed or quit or do, do whatever I need to do. And then I tend to be able to pick it up pretty fast the next I know, day. Right. I think that was a big turning point when I figured that out on that. It was actually that specific scenario. And then I've translated that to Super Metroid and Resident Evil and all my other speed runs that I do. So I wake up, yeah, and everything is like processed. And I just, I just seem to be able to do the things better. I started applying that to a lot of things in life. Even like I work as a sysadmin and sometimes I have to write Python scripts. And as we had talked prior to the podcast, I hate developing in any capacity, even a little three line script. Hate it. Don't like it. It's just not for me. My brain just doesn't function that way. So sometimes if I have to write a script, I will stay up a little later, stay up to like midnight or so working on something. I will go to sleep and then I will revisit it when I get to work because I do it all in OneNote so I can just have all my stuff wherever I want. Thank you for using OneNote, by the I way. I like OneNote a lot. I have it on my <laughs> phone too. It's a great application. Oh my God. Yeah. I need to have Microsoft people listen to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually never used it until this recent job that I got and I realized how valuable it is. I really like it, having notes available on all my devices. Okay, sorry, that was a little tangent. But anyways... Um, this is not sponsored by Microsoft, by the way. <laughs> I guess. I mean, this is this is what the sixth episode on a podcast. That <laughs> yeah. I, I know someone downloaded my podcast, I think, five days ago. Unless people start listening to this, I don't think they're going to be like, Microsoft <laughs> paid for this. Yeah. Um, well, actually, can I make a plug? Sure. Your this, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Rent a Gamer. Do you ever want to play a game with somebody who knows who you are, who respects you as a person, who doesn't swear they banged your mom last night? Do you want to just play a game with someone who knows what they're doing? If so, Rent-A-Gamer might be for you. Rent-A-Gamer is a gaming companionship service where you get to rent a gaming companion for 60 minutes at a time. Each gaming companion is a professional gamer and knows how to play video games. They know how to pick up a video game and play with you. And they will make sure you have a fantastic time and you leave each session feeling fulfilled and wonderful. If this seems like something that you'd like to talk about or you have questions, feel free to find me on Discord, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Just search for Actifiable and you will find me. Or if something you want to try, the first session is free, which is a $20 value. So consider it if you just want to play with somebody who actually is fun to play with. All right, let's continue. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, no problem. 
Sounds pretty awesome, by the way, because I know there's some games I'm horrible at, and I would like to have somebody better than me playing with me. No, 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 not better than, not better than, oh. just play with. Just play with, oh, yeah, that's true. Just, just yeah. play with. Now, actually, that's something I'd love to do is get somebody on the roster who's maybe like a GM at StarCraft II, a master on Pokemon Unite. So it is a, you want to play with somebody, just play with, not tutor. Yeah. Great. You can pay a bit more money for the expertise of this person. Fair enough. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's like a tutor and a mm-hmm. and like a play yes. type thing. Yes, yeah, I mean that'd be great for games, especially like Gears of War, Resident Evil that they have multi- like Resident Evil Five as a multiplayer. It'd be fun because that game's fun single player. It's amazing co op. Yeah, ex- exactly. So. So that that's what it is. It's more of a hey, you know, I'm play Resident Evil Five with somebody who knows what not maybe not knows what they're doing but knows enough to pick up the controller and knows how to play right they're not like what the fuck does the x button on this (laughs) button do i don't understand why are these face buttons here why are there two analog sticks right yeah that's what it's for cool yeah that'd be awesome you want to you want to you want to try i mean we can play a game together i'm down (laughs) anyway going back to what i was talking about before just being able to collect my thoughts either in one note or collect my thoughts like after playing the game for a while or anything like that, it, 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 I, you tend to have a really good time coming back. I tend to actually complete my tasks. It's kind of nice to be able to to do that, and I think it. I think that translates to it's something I learned while gaming, and I think it's translated to every aspect of my life now. And it's it's been really helpful. Is it the thought, the knowledge of I know if I go to bed now and a good night's sleep, I'll be better tomorrow? Is that the thought that makes you go, I should stop now? Um, yeah, it's that. And it's also the thought of I'm not making any progress right now. I, I'm doing this and it's fruitless right now. The night I was, I was learning Iceless. I, I only landed it like two or three times. I started up the next day within the first 30 minutes. I got it like 10 or 11 times. And it's because I gave my mind the time to process what I was doing. I was able to lock in that muscle memory. I was able to just do those things that I needed yeah, to do. Isn't sleep so, amazing? Yeah. The human, the human body and the human mind is nuts. Yeah. I was, uh, on Twitter I'm calling in Twitter. <laughs> I'm calling in Twitter. And uh, somebody tweeted out, what are some really good programming tips? Wrong answers only. <laughs> and I was like, man, I've been, on, I've been trying to fix this bug for eight hours. If I just keep coding and trying to fix it for another eight hours, instead of going to bed, I'll fix it. And it's usually always go to bed, wake up in the morning. You know what's going on. Because once you st- it feels bad. It feels so bad stopping. Because it's like, I could do it. If I just spent another two hours, I can fix this. Yeah. But it is always once I stop, once I relax, I eat food, then my brain is, has the time to process and to be creative. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this works. When I was um, in college, we had this project. <laughs> and it was like a fi- it was a five paper thing. It was like, here's the exact details of everything you need to do. There were a few times where I had to force myself to stop. And I felt like I was going to be late and I wouldn't finish it if I stopped. But then once I woke up, got back to the next day, problem solved. Yeah. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I think that's actually like a big part of why I don't really like the work grind culture in the tech world and the gaming world, because I feel like when you're pushing your workers that hard, you're just putting them at a disadvantage. Yes. You're putting your products at a detriment. So I feel like it's more valuable to let your employees work an eight, 10 hour day, let them go home, let them have dinner, let them see their family, sleep, get a good night rest, whatever they need to do to decompress and then come back the next day. They're going to come back refreshed. They're going to come back. They're going to do the job that you're paying them to do. And I understand the idea of crunch time, but I don't think it's valuable. I don't think it's as valuable as companies think it is. As soon as I went from like an eight five, uh, sorry, five eights to four tens, my productivity went through the roof because I had that extra day to decompress and really just take care of myself. 
I think it's really good to have that time. And I think it's incredibly valuable. Pro, for programming in IT and any creative task, some managers are still thinking hours on the clock equals progress. Exactly. There is this book called Coding Complete, a second edition. And I think the first or second chapter is actually how to convince your boss that it's coding is not that way. Mm-hmm. It's not just the number of lines written. It's not the number of bugs fixed. It's like, how do you convince a boss who doesn't know that? So speaking of de- decompressing, do you know what you need to do to decompress? Yeah, I mean, getting away from my work. So I'm really, I'm in a really fortunate position right now. I love my job. And I actually don't get stressed at my job really anymore. But prior at prior jobs, I would get stressed a lot. So decompressing for me was just coming home, eating a little bit of food, be it dinner or snack, whatever. And then just playing video games for a little bit or watching anime or just doing something that I can take my mind off of the tasks from work. It doesn't matter what it is. The gym is a huge decompression for me. I love going to the gym. I love spending that time. I love just listening to super loud metal music, lifting heavy things and putting them back down. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm not super ripped, but you guys can't see that. So I'm super ripped to you guys. I, I think I think that decompressing is really important. And those are kind of the ways I do it. Um, just kind of doing something that is different than my everyday at work. It's taken me quite a bit. To not just know, but to accept yeah. what helps me decompress. Because at work, my work is also not stressful. It is always, it's, if you don't do it by the end of the iteration, it's fine. No one's going to die. It's fine. But still, I get a tiny stress reaction every time I start going to work. I've gotten better at it. The clonidine has helped so much with it. Because of that, decompressing has been easier. But for the first first seven years of programming i didn't know how i didn't know i couldn't turn it off i didn't know what i could do to just relax yeah it wasn't until recently (laughs) wow yeah video games are actually kind of helpful and not just video games but allowing myself to if i want to play video games after work i can or if i want to do maybe some chores i can if i want to work on something else personal i can and not just going you have to play video games always after work because that's what you need. And then I'd get stressed because like, well, I don't want to play video games. Yep. Then I go back to work the next day and I'm tired and it's horrible. For me, it's taken a bit to both understand and accept. Yeah. Accepting, especially with video games, is super hard considering it's, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Streaming was actually like that for me for a long time. Streaming was a huge decompression for me. I would come home. I would let, I would, you know, I'd air all my dirty laundry. I would, I would do everything I needed to on stream. I started doing it so much. My viewership started going up. I started seeing more money in my bank account from it. And it was all great. I was super happy about all that. But it started feeling more like a job. So I was going from job to job. I was basically working 16 hour, sixteen to 18 hour days. That was no longer decompressing me. My stress levels were going through the roof. I was getting upset with people for things that I shouldn't. I think that I had kind of convinced myself that streaming was a decompression when in actuality it wasn't. So being able to really sit back take a look at everything and be like, no, this is actual decompression for me. These are the things that I need to do. These are the tasks I need to do to kind of reset myself for the next day mm-hmm. was really important. And I think that finding that for yourself is kind of a big deal because you can trick yourself into thinking, like you said, if you're like video games only is my decompression, you're tricking yourself into thinking that that's the only form of decompression. I've been struggling with allowing myself to just flow with whatever I want to do. And it's okay if I don't want to do a project for that day. No, no, nothing's going to happen. It's okay if I don't do the chores at the same time every day. 
I'll yeah. get them done. And even if I don't, if I don't do the dishes, we're still going to have dishes the next day. It's okay. I was with a friend. Her name was Katie. And I was talking, talking about this. And she's like, well, why don't you just not do the dishes in the morning? I'm like, oh, you, yeah. don't, you, you don't have to do dishes in the morning? What the fuck? What do you mean I can do them later? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But I've been struggling so hard with, it's okay not to do this thing at the same time every day. It's okay to go to work 30 minutes later because it's, it's remote. Who cares if you sign on? Th- as long as you're not missing a meeting, it's fine. Yes. And to let myself have those bounds to be like, okay, it's 9.10, it's 9.30. I should probably start working now. Yeah. For streaming, it helps me calm down before I go to work. It's super weird. Even on the off days when I don't, I usually play video games or do some do coding or something that requires mental processing. Yeah. Then at 9, 10, I can finally calm enough to actually to do things. Yeah, which makes sense. And it's, it's nice to have that. Mine, mine have recently has been going to the gym in the morning, um, but I'm going to be changing that up due to some things I learned, but that's fine. They're kind of, un, they're unrelated, but going to the gym really got me going. That, that physical, getting my blood pumping, getting my heart going, get my brain going, doing all of that, really, really good for me. I tried the morning time streams and they ended up stressing me out more. So I think that's pretty interesting that we have completely different um, experiences with early morning streaming. I mean, there have been so many things in these past two days we've talked about where we've just, we've just been opposite. Yeah. But it's like, but we still like understand where each other are coming from. But for uh, all you people out there who want to get into exercising or are exercising, you can exercise at any time of the day. Yes. You, you'd have, you can, when I first started, I had a gym within walking distance. But I drove because fuck that shit. <laughs> but I would go at nine o'clock at night. Yep. And then I realized I hated doing it. So I stopped and had to reconfigure, figure something else out. I remember I was listening to um, Jocko podcast and he exercises in the morning before he eats breakfast. That's what he does. I'm like, oh, I have to do that. And I'm like, I can't exercise on an empty stomach. It's, <laughs> it's, it just does not work for me. Yeah. I'm like, then I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And other people can. That's one thing I've also had to just deal with is I am who I am yep. and who I am is okay. And I don't have to be like other people. Yeah. When I first started working out, I was actually, so I, I live pretty far from my gym. My gym's a 35 minute drive. What I would do is I would work and I worked 10 to 10. So 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. I would get off work. I would stream for three hours until 1 a.m. And then I would go to the gym. So I was going to the gym at like 1, 1 a.m. every day. That worked really well for me for a while, but then I started running into the problem where I'd get home from the gym and my body would be so wired that I couldn't sleep. Oh, man. So then I'd be up till four or five in the morning, fall asleep for a few hours, wake up at 10, rinse, repeat every day. And I think that's when I kind of realized that after I'm done streaming, I should just go to bed and that way I can still get my four or five hours of sleep, whatever I normally do, then go to the gym in the morning and kind of switch it. So that's why I prefer morning time gym because I get wired after the gym where some people get really tired after the gym. But I'm, I'm um, one of those people that I just, it starts my day strong. I get protein in me right after that. And it just, it's a great start to my day. I've done hit and I've done strength and the, the endorphins after that are amazing. But it, for me, it calms me down. Like when I'm done exercising, I don't mind just sitting down playing video games. I'm relaxed. I also use it to just slow my brain down. Or when I'm tired and feeling lethargic, exercising helps. Even if it's just flexibility, it's like 30 minutes of flexibility, you're still moving, you're still doing something. And then when I'm done, I'm like, okay, I do feel better. And it forces you to worry about your body movements and not what's going on in life right now. Yes. I'm speaking of flexibility, yoga has been something I've been diving into a lot lately. It's incredible. 
I have horrible flexibility. I was not able to reach my, I could not touch my hands behind my back. I like nothing. I started doing yoga and it's helped me on all of my exercises. It has fixed my form on a lot of exercises that I do. So yoga, you should definitely try it if you don't already. For me, my flexibility started going down, not because I wasn't stretching, but because the muscles I was gaining yeah. stopped me from being as flexible. For me, I went to a physical therapist and she's like, oh yeah, your shoulder blades are stiff. I'm like, what? Yeah. No, they're not. I'm fine. You're like, I work out every day. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, you know, all your major muscles are good. It's your muscles that help you move, that help you stand up. Yes. That is weak. And they're weak because your major muscles are strong if they can compensate for the weakness everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to be 40 and not being able to do things. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I listen to my physical therapist. Yeah. And after my workouts, I will do two of the ones she recommended out of six. I'll do three sets, yep. even though it adds like another 10 to 20 minutes. I want to be mobile. Flexibility is worth it. The mobility is so important, especially with working out. I think a lot of people just want to lift heavy things and get a PR and be happy about deadlifting however much that they are deadlifting. But I think a lot of people, especially in gym culture, tend to forget about flexibility. I've noticed that a lot, especially with like, I, I don't mean this is a derogatory term, but the, the meatheads at the gym, a lot of them don't do any flexibility workouts. And so I'll see them pick stuff up and they can barely put their shoulders together because they have such defined shoulders and, and muscles back there, but they don't have the flexibility to do anything. They may be in better shape than me, but I have way more flexibility than them. I can do all sorts of workouts that they can't even do anymore because they have put themselves in a position that they just aren't flexible enough for it. Uh, my physical therapist says, was says that ah, you know it's the bodybuilders, but then they can't do anything. They can't move. Yep. They can't pose. They can't be graceful because those muscles aren't there. There was a there was a guy that I worked out with for a while. He was actually one of the employees at the gym. I was doing personal training with one of the other employees, and he would kind of just join our sessions once in a while. He would be winded after like no time at all. And I would just be going, going, going. Like I didn't have a problem with it because I had done the cardio. I had done a lot of the work and the flexibility exercises and all of that to keep myself going. This guy's just, he's, he's out of breath. He's, he's barely, barely holding on. But then we go to the weights, you know, the bench and I'm barely lifting up 135 pounds and this dude's pushing 300 every time. And it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of difference there, but I almost prefer having the energy to be able to do things. How often in your life do you need to move 300 pounds? <laughs> exactly. How often do I need to do that? I want to go on runs. I want to go on walks. I want to have, I want to have sex and I want it to be fun and good for both people. If I can only last, you know, two minutes before I'm winded, that's not valuable in that regard. And so, your partner's going to be like, fucking A. Yeah, your, part, your partner's <laughs> going to get bored or they're not going to be satisfied. And I, and I feel like having that is more valuable than just looking like a big hunk of meat. Cardio is, is amazing. Do it. Yeah. Just, just do it. Especially if you do it enough, you will start to get endorphins when you are done. And that is so good. I feel so happy afterwards after hit. It's great. For me, cardio is easier because you just keep moving. Yeah. There's no stopping. You don't like, you know, calm down. You just keep going. Yep. And then after like 30 minutes, it's done. And then you do stretches, you take a shower and you're like, all right, that's, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, mine, mine usually consists of a short, uh, like a short session of stretching just because I do yoga, so I don't need that much time to stretch. It's actually been shown stretching before workouts will make you worse. Dynamic warm-ups is more what to do. 
I think somebody told me that once, and I I think it might have been my old personal trainer. You know, you like anime, right? Yeah, love have anime. You watched uh, How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift? <laughs> Onagai Muscle, I believe, is Fuck what it's yes. called. I love that. I yeah. watched it. It's amazing. It's I love it. Such a good show. <laughs> um, it's weird. Totally going off on a tangent here, but I'm okay with it. I recently got into sports animes. Right? Big time. There's one called Haikyuu. It's a volleyball anime. I am obsessed with it. It's like a shonen anime, so mm-hmm. it's really action-packed. That's what they do with all the sports sports animes now. They make it action-packed. Yeah, and it's so fun to watch. Like, Onogai Muscle's really... Onogai Muscle's good because it's funny. Haikyuu is funny, but it's also, like, really intense at points, and it's made me enjoy sports <gasps> in real life. So now that I work for an athletics department, I go to these games, and I know exactly what's going on, and it's so weird to me that I can be like oh, this set is still going because this reason, or that was a line shot. My coworker will look at me and be like, you know what a line shot is? And I'm like, yeah, oh, that was a cross shot. And, and he's like, how do you know all this? And I was like, I watched an anime. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you learned that from an anime. And I'm like, yeah, it was really good. I've got people to watch it. It's really interesting that my interests have changed a little bit as an adult because I was always like, I don't like sports. I don't care about sports. But now that I've like watched anime that's made it interesting for me, I'm moving into it. So. I Shield 21 does the same thing. What was that? I Shield 21. It's football. Okay. During the commercial breaks, they have a little segment. Here's what the linebacker is. Here's what the quarterback is. Oh. Here's what it means when people say it's been you know sacked because sacked is only for quarterback. Yes. They have special moves. Mm, the, okay. uh, the runners, they have special moves and they will say it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so fun. It's not just watching sports. It's dramatic. It's, yes. I'm activating my special move now. Fuck yeah. you. And then the other person activates their special move. It's like, oh, you learned that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting that those anime have got me interested in something that I was never interested in. Yeah. And because of Onigai Muscle, I know stuff. I know, you know, dynamic work, dy- dynamic stretches. Don't yeah. just stretch. Do it afterwards. The idea of how many reps you should do per set how much yeah. you should aim for and then when you're done you should be like i fucking can't do one more exactly i know it's an anime but i really hope like somebody who knew who knows workout who's a professional trainer helped with this anime because i'm looking at it and trusting it that yeah. it's telling me and it's also just so fun to watch oh yeah yeah rolling back to haikyuu actually and, and talking about somebody that works out watching it there was a youtuber i can't remember her name right now but she was a role called the libero the libero is a strictly defensive role in volleyball. Their job solely is to recover balls up in the air so the rest of the team can hit it over the net. She was told that she should watch Haikyuu. And she started watching it and she's like, this is really interesting because they are getting everything right. The rules are right. The movements are right. The, hit, like, the way they're hitting the ball, the way they're setting the ball, the serving is correct. Everything is correct. And she's like, it's really interesting to see this, but they, you know, they, they ham it up. So it's like more interesting to watch, but she's like, games do get this intense. You do feel this level of terror almost in a really intense match. So she said they just do a really good, good job of conveying that. So the fact that that one is really good and Onagai Muscle is really good. And what was the other one? Face Shield 21? Ice Shield 21. Ice Shield 21. It sounds like it's really good too. So like, I think it's cool that these animes are starting to come out and getting people that typically don't have those interests interested in sports. The other one is interested in anime. I know, you know, probably there's some just like, wait, an anime is educational? Anime is... <sighs> anime is for kids. Yeah. Why would adults watch it? Yep. That kind of thing. The intersection of what people are now allowed to do 
especially since anime is now more accessible and more people can make it. Yes. Of course, obviously, you can watch Higarashi when they cry and you can look at that art and be like, I can't deal with this art. I am sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so available. You can read, watch animes of girls who turn into horses for races. Yep. Fucking it's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I, 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 love, I love how just expansive the worlds are and they can do literally anything they want. And it, it's fun. Although and, Izakais are pretty damn big right now. Yeah, they are huge right now. Um, I'm kind of getting sick of them personally, but there are a few that I really, really like. Oh, I saw first in an anime. Uh-huh. Tierney is watching this anime. It's not a harem anime, yeah. but it's just everyone at this village that this dude is making just happened to be a woman. The dude actually got married to somebody mm-hmm. and she got pregnant mm-hmm. and showed her being pregnant in the anime. Yeah. Right? Usually it's just a cut scene, though, I guess. Wouldn't anime just be a long cutscene? Yeah, basically. Yeah, they <laughs> just like they do like a cutaway. Yeah, cutaway, and hey, boom, baby. But no, like it showed her pregnant. Yeah, eating. And I'm like, this is really cool. Yeah. Back in the day, when Flintstones, Flintstones was the first cartoon to show a couple in bed, and it just blew people's minds. Like, you can do this. And now I'm doing the same thing with you know a pregnant woman in the anime. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that actually sounds like an anime that I watched somewhat recently called Mushoku Tensei. Did he have the ultimate gardening tool? Different okay. One. <laughs> no, yeah. He got the alt. He, he's a guy reborn. He wanted to live life as a farmer, so he got this ultimate gardening tool that, when he used, it turned into whatever tool he needed. And when he used it, he never got exhausted. Okay, interesting. Anime is weird, but I love it. <laughs> I know, and everything out there. Uh, did, have you seen a um, uh, Tomodachi game? I haven't, but I've heard of it. It's it's good, except it's not finished, and I don't know if it will be finished. Uh, sounds like Hunter Hunter. It ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> And it's, but otherwise it's one of, oh, it's, it's fuck it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Mishoka Tensei, it's an isekai guy, guy dies and he gets reborn into a new world, but it goes through the process of showing the, the mom pregnant and like him in the womb being like, oh, that's weird. I'm aware of myself. And cause he didn't lose his, his memories from being in the, in the old world. He comes back and he's like, I'm going to live a better life. I'm going to be a magician. I'm going to like be um, i guess a mage is technically the right term he comes back and he starts like actually applying himself and everything and it's really interesting to like think like that's probably what i would do too in that situation if i died and i was able to be reborn with all my old memories i would definitely apply myself entirely differently than i did my first go around so i think it's kind of a cool concept there's a meetup i go to and there are some people who are in their early 60s late 50s both of them have talked to have had a point in their life where they go okay well what do i do now yeah. Not as in like they're in a crisis, but they're like, okay, I'm bored. What am I going to pivot to? What am I going to do? I'm like, wait, you're, you're not like, you didn't know your whole entire life when you were like 20. What the fuck? I do that even now. Like I've had multiple points in my life where I'm like, what do I do? When I had my kids and I was married and I had a house, I felt like I'd accomplished everything that you're supposed to accomplish. I was successful in my job. You did the American dream. Exactly. I did the American dream. I, I, I lived the American dream and I reached the end of that road. And I didn't know what to do. It took me a while to figure it out, but I finally did figure it out. And now I'm in a pretty good place. I'm pretty happy and I feel like life's going pretty good, but I know I'm probably going to hit that wall again at some point and I'm going to have to make a decision. And it's a little scary, but I do like the fact that we get to live our lives that way. When I bought my house, I'm like, oh, cool. I have a good job. I have a house. I can live comfortably. I can put money in savings, 401k, investments, all that Mm -hmm. other good stuff. I can support animals. This is great. I'm like, well... Is this it? 
Yeah. I'm bored. Yeah. So now that's why I changed. It's like, and I, I call myself a professional gamer, content creator, and my side hustle is Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is a professional gamer? It's like, I can pick up any game and play it with you. I might not be the best, but I can play it with you and make it enjoyable and give you a good time. Yeah. I'm not playing at a professional level, but I am a professional at this task. Yeah. Because there are people who can't do that. And I've been doing this for 20, 20 plus years of my life. So going back mm -hmm. with the inflection point. Yes. Do you think there's anything we can do right now on this podcast if gamers are listening and they might be in this point to help them? Yeah. There was actually a Twitch streamer. I know he was under fire for a little while for kind of treating people like shit, but he, he did have a very good idea. He, was a, he, he had his master's degree in uh, psychology his channel i think it was a healthy gamer gg or something like that oh this dude yeah and he would he had a podcast similar to this where he would bring people on that were like pretty big content creators i mean he had he has had like like mizkiff and like really really big content creators come on and kind of just spilled their guts on stream he like psychoanalyzed them and kind of explained things like that and i think those kind of things and these kind of conversations that me and you are having are way more valuable than most step things. one step two step three yeah I, th I think it's more important to just like have the conversations as a community if we just had more conversations and we tried to understand each other more i think that all the stigmas and a lot of the negativity towards gamers would go away if we just put a little bit of effort into it it would go a long way but a lot of people don't want to put the effort into it or they don't have the ability to put the effort into it this and do your best to recognize and accept that it's okay to stop. You don't have to defend video games. Yeah. You don't have to defend yourself and go, I need to make this not a waste of time. Like you had fun. You relax. Leisure is okay. Of course, if somebody not from America has listened to this, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, America, oh, fuck America. But um, leisure is okay. You don't have to be doing everything 24-7. You don't have to get negative five hours of sleep, get 26 hours of work done in 23 hours. It's, yeah. it's, it's okay. <laughs> With video games, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's okay to play them. It's okay to just enjoy it. And it's okay to enjoy the games that you enjoy. Uh, I'm not going to attack RPGs. I want to play them and I still try to. <laughs> I don't enjoy them sometimes because yep. the amount of thought it takes is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll play games that I enjoy more, but yeah. sometimes I'll go to other ones, but it's, it's, it's fine. I think that's my advice is just play games. Yeah. Just do what you want to do. That's what it boils down to. Just like do what you want to do. I mean, obviously there's within reason, but don't let somebody knock your hobby. Don't let people knock you, the, your interests. Don't let them talk you out of the things you want to do. Have fun. Do it. It's going to be better for you in the long run. Now, I'd love to have a conversation about, well, what if your friends say you should stop? That's a totally different conversation. Yeah. I mean, if there's a problem that you're not seeing, but other people are, addiction is a very good example of that. Then maybe it's good to have somebody step in and, and say something, but they don't have to do it in a negative way. Oh, sorry, no. What I meant was oh. if you're playing video games yes. and your friend groups are like, no, video games are a waste of time. Don't yeah. do that. There are a lot of, it's uh, the Mormon church, right? <laughs> when people want to leave, the big thing is, but there goes my community. Yes. Especially if they really believed in it. 
I can't get to this tier in heaven now because now I'm not going to be able to see my grandma when I die. It's a huge barrier. Yes. Gaming, it could be the same thing with the friend group. It's like, I don't have any other friends to go to. Now what do I do? Tierney loves watching documentaries on YouTube. And one of them is about, um, I don't remember the right word, but the people who believe women are objects and they are just exist for men. Oh, and pickup yeah. artists. Pickup artists. Pickup artists and the red pill community is what they're called nowadays. Oh, really? Yeah. If somebody is starting to get into that, their friends can go, no, 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 don't do that. And they're like, cool, thanks for letting me know. What do I do now? And it's crickets. They're like, well, I guess I'll go here because these people are talking to me. Yes. These people are telling me what to do. Yep. It's the same thing with video games. If there's not another community to go to, it is super hard to listen to your friends and disagree with them and go, you know, I want to keep playing my games. I'm going to do my own thing. I think that kind of rolls into the uh, learning how to be alone type thing. Also. Oh my God, yes. I can be alone. My wife is like, I can't. Yeah, see, and I was very much the kind of person that could not be alone. I had to be in Discord calls. I had to be around people. I had to do all this because I've always been that way. My entire life, I've always been around people. I've lived with friends. I've had a significant other. I was married for 10 years. <laughs> I had to think about that for a sec. <laughs> I was married for 10 years. I've got two kids, so I always have people around. I always had that social interaction with somebody in some capacity. But in these last couple of years, I've had to be alone. And it's very interesting to, to go from having that sense of community all the time to not having it. And I think people need to learn how to be alone sometimes because now that I've been alone, I've actually kind of been able to discover a community I want to be a part of. And it's been really helpful to give myself the time to push the rest of the stuff aside, think about it, find myself a little bit more, and stop living for other people. There's this somebody who does comedy skits, and it was how, it's how Twitter is just, just horrible. One of the things was Twitter was talking to him as a person, and it's like, hey, um, can I have your social security? He's like, no, why the fuck would I give you that? He's like, well, if you want to join the community, it's fine. But if you want, you can just sit by yourself and <laughs> be with your thoughts and be with your inner demons. He's like, here it is. Here's my social security card. I want to be part of the group now. <laughs> with the digital age... A lot of people can't be by themselves because they probably have a lot of unresolved trauma, not yes. physical, sexual trauma, just general yeah. maybe trauma or feelings that they don't know how to process. They don't know what to do. Being distracted lets them be distracted, but it yep. will always catch up one day. And yep. when it catches up, you, you ain't going to feel good. Being alone is totally a skill, especially um, oh, there's this study where people had to put their phones on the other side of the room and all they had to do was sit on the other side of the room and don't use their phones. No one, no one could not use their phones for like 30 minutes. Huh. Everyone had to go, even like if it started ringing, texting, once they heard about that vibration, they had to be there. They had to do the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I want to do that. Like, I can totally be not with my phone. I've turned my phone off for like two days before. It's been yeah. great. Being able to be by yourself is, is such a good skill. Something that I've learned recently, like I was saying, it's just, it's, it's been life-changing, really. I've learned to like myself more. That was really hard for me for a long time. I was always really negative towards myself, always treated myself like crap. Being alone has helped me appreciate me. I really like that. My therapist was always very much like, you need to learn to be alone. You need to stop being so codependent on other people. So I think it's an incredible skill that I learned way too late in life. <laughs> well, I mean, you did it now, which is better than... 30 years from now. Yeah, exactly. How did being alone help you be okay with your body? Being alone made me realize 
I could make changes for myself rather than other people. And that was like a really big part of it. Every time I would try and work out, every time I would try and, try and change my diet or my appearance or anything like that, it was always for somebody else. I never did it for me. So I could never stick with it. I could never accomplish my goal. And I always felt like I had to go super, 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 super hard, you know, going back to the whole, like, I have to finish my goal by X time. Now, you know, I look at it and I go, I'm losing weight on my time. I'm working out on my time. I'm bettering myself on my time. It's been really good to just realize I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for, any, for anyone else. And it's just increased my happiness and everything. I just feel better all around. You got it when you said I did it for myself and not for other people. Because when you do it for other people, you will get tired. Yes. It's like, you, got, you get that motivation and it's great. And that's how I think a lot of people, when they get into streaming or 1v1 StarCraft 2, 1v1, whatever other game, League of Legends, they immediately think, I'm going to do this so I can get the money. Yes. I did that. It was horrible. Yep. Back in the day, I couldn't even do StarCraft 2 loud because it made me so nervous because I forced myself to do it. Do what you want and the money will follow. Yes. And do it for yourself because if you do it for anything else, you are going to stop. Yes. Do it for being curious. Do it to see what happens. Yep. Just who cares? Just do it for yourself. I saw somebody who didn't have any muscle. Asthma was like, don't you want muscle? And they're like, no. And my brain was like, why the fuck not? I'm like, oh, that means I want it. So that's why I've, I've now gone on strength training. And I, I like the big muscles. I like to be strong and to look that, to look like that. But that's me. But I do it for myself. Because it's for myself, I've also been able to give myself permission to just relax for a day and yes. do a stretching or a leg button thigh exercises where i don't need weights yeah or even just taking a day off yes enjoying some food you like we we me and you talked about this quite a bit the other day and it was diets in the past have always been very don't eat this don't eat that not don't have too many calories don't have too much sugar i don't personally agree with that at this point anymore i think that you should eat what you want but in moderation and yes. that's the biggest thing yeah. is the moderation. moderation you can have a donut in the morning it's not going to kill you you can have chicken wings and beer like we did the other night. <laughs> Bro, I finished a cereal box of Lucky Charms. Yeah. My mouth hated me, but I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I feel so good right now. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's nice to just like not have to stick to a chicken and rice diet all the time. I tried that once. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. It's not fun. And it feels like you're grinding yourself to the bone when you do it. I think, I think it's been really good to just like do things for me. Off camera, do you, camera. Do you want to segue into this? Mm, we can. I mean, we we got to the end of what I was going to do. Yeah. For working together. Mm -hmm. Cool. Because I, I didn't have any. I just want to make sure that's where we're going. Yeah. So we're not like we need to go back to gaming. Yeah. No, we can. We can. We can go into whatever you want. Okay. Cool. Now <sighs> to start the conversation again. <laughs> oh my god! A one donuts. They make a peanut butter and jelly donut, Ooh. and they put peanuts on the top. And I get two. Fuck. Hey. It's so good. There's your protein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think doing things for yourself allows you to relax with losing weight. We all get into the, we want to do it fast. Yes. But remember, it took us years to gain weight. It's going to take us years to lose weight, except the slow carb diet. Probably keto as well. I did the slow carb diet. I went from 205 to 155 in like four or five months. And it's amazing, but it's not for everyone. You don't feel satiated ever. Ever. 
to get to cheat day once a week. I felt amazing. I liked how my body looked, but I've been gaining weight. I'm like, okay, well, let's now let's learn how to eat. Let's do this quick. Let's yes. do the weights so it will stay off. I was the I can't ever eat chocolate. I can't ever eat a donut. I can't ever have cereal. I can only have chicken, broccoli, beans, the most boring foods. Yeah, bland, boring, healthy foods. Mm-hmm. Oh, healthy foods. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, then just life wasn't fun. Yeah. I couldn't go to Denny's. I couldn't have I couldn't have espresso and milk. It just had to be cold brew. It had to be yeah. black coffee, which is fine every so often, but every day is just not fun. Well, yeah, and then like you lean into the social side of that too. And oh. somebody says, "Hey, you want to go to a pizza place?" And you're like, "I can't get I can't have pizza because it goes against my diet. And I definitely can't have beer because it goes against my diet." So you start eventually not going to fun events either because you're worried about like, okay, if there's beer there, I'm going to be tempted to drink it. And that's going to be like 300 calories and a shit ton of carbs because beer is horrible for you, (laughs) but it's delicious. When you're constantly in the mindset of, I have to eat properly all the time, you kind of suck the joy out of life. Eat properly, right? When people think of eat properly, they think of take things away. Yes. Take things away. And it wasn't until... A few months ago where I saw this dietitian on YouTube shorts and she's like, one baseline is we need a better relationship with food. Yes. Absolutely. We need to stop fearing food. We need to stop eating just the literal minimal amount just to make it so we don't die. Yep. Stop eating just a thousand calories a day. You are going to hate your life. You have no energy. And she's like, instead of cutting food away, add food. And her example was, she's like, I want this. It was a big ass chocolate chip cooking like that fucking looks amazing. Many people would go, I can't have it. Because they're like, it's sugar, it's carbs. And Rain's like, yes, please, I want carbs. Yeah. Um, you don't understand. And so she put, she got a bowl, she put in yogurt, she put in berries, and then she crumbled the cookie in it. And she's like, now I got my cookie and it's more healthy. Yeah. It has the fat, it has the fruit, it has the fiber, and you get to enjoy your cookie. And because it's more food, it's slower. You get to actually enjoy it for longer. Yep. And I'm like, wait, wait, it's okay to eat pasta. It's okay to like eat things that I want to. Exactly. This makes no sense. And now I saw another person on YouTube shorts, this Irish dude who is really awesome. And he's like, he made a sandwich. He's like, I'm going to eat it. And then he switched to a fitness influencer who said, bread is bad. Don't have bread. So he's like, fine, I'm going to replace bread with lettuce. And then he watched another fitness, fitness influencers like meats carcinogenic. Don't put in your food. So he's like, now he has lettuce and tomato. And then there was something about lettuce and tomato, how that's bad. He's like, what the fuck am I supposed to eat then? If everyone says the foods are bad, it's like, don't listen to these foods. (laughs) Don't listen to these fitness influencers. Just eat your damn food. And one other thing he did was he's like, do you want to know how much bread you have to eat? to actually gain this much fat he he eats 64 slices Damn. and he put 64 slices in his shot and he's like here's how much bread you actually have to eat if you want to think of it as unhealthy eat your damn bread eat things eat carbs carbs are amazing stop avoiding carbs and you and i are around the same age and we went through the carbs are bad don't have carbs zucchini oh, yeah. noodles the um, watkins diet you remember that I barely remember. The Watkins was like a no carb diet. And yeah, it was like, it was huge in like the early 2000s and everyone was doing it. Eventually people were like, actually, this is pretty unhealthy because 
you're you're missing a lot of like necessary vitamins and minerals and other things your body needs it's causing more harm than good yeah you're losing your weight but the moment you take off that diet and you start eating carbs again you're putting all that weight back on almost immediately but there's also the once they start eating carbs they're gonna for like two days straight they're probably just gonna eat chocolates and everything exactly they're gonna gain it back what i find hard is i know when to eat foods but there are times where i'm like i can't tell if this is gonna make me gain weight or not and i still have that thought yeah of oh man, I shouldn't eat this cereal even though I'm tired and I just worked out and fuck, milk and cereal sounds amazing. Yeah. It's all of that and yeah, it is just just being okay with eating food. And you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be produce. It doesn't, like I am, I eat in the morning steak, bell peppers and eggs and I add frozen spinach and it works. <laughs> it works. It's like, that's my veggies and that's it. Yeah, it works. My breakfast is typically eggs and little Smokies because I love little Smokies. I saw those on your yeah, fridge. Yeah, I love little Smokies. Good for you. Get the cheddar ones. Mm. <laughs> no, Super God, good. No. So good. So good. Uh, so I, I do. I do. I usually do four eggs and half a pack of little Smokies. Fuck. So it's it's a lot of food, but it's all protein, like all protein. And then I make a protein shake and I take it with me in the morning. So I'm getting around sixty grams of protein first thing in the morning. My breakfast is slow carb compliant. There are carbs. But it's not starch. It's not sugar. These are the ones that takes your body a while to digest. And it's, I enjoy it. But there's always a time then I'm like, I still feel hungry, but I know I ate enough food. So I have, I use whey bollock. <laughs> not, not an ad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Take a scoop and I drink it with milk. And also it has caffeine. So that's another caffeine boost. And then I feel much better. I feel satiated. And there are times... Yes. I don't know if you have this, but have you ever, can you tell the difference when you've eaten too much protein and not enough carbs or enough carbs, but not enough protein? Um, not really. I don't really have like a specific feeling when I have one more than the other. The only time that I can really tell the difference between carbs and protein is when I'm having bad carbs. So if I'm eating a bunch of donuts or a bunch of cookies or a bunch of candy, then I can feel it. But that's probably more just the sugar making mm -hmm. me feel like shit yeah, yeah. than an actual like physical difference i see my go-to is if i feel full but not satiated yeah. it's too many carbs if okay. i feel satiated but not full then it's too much protein so with too much protein i feel the my stomach says it's full my brain got the signal that it's full but i'm still i still want to eat food i'm still hungry yeah you're snacky almost yes but with so many carbs that's when i'm like i feel good you know you just ate a king size thing of mcdonald's and you're like <laughs> damn i feel good but then you're you're like i don't feel comfortable though it's kind of weird to be between satiated yeah. and full but i i for me i can totally tell when i've had one more than the other and i use that to go what should i be eating right now should i have a bowl of cereal should i have some protein powder because the protein i have is just for it's just eggs i use factor for dinner and for lunch is i used to potatoes but before that, I did fruits. And I actually lost weight with it. I would eat watermelon in the morning. I would have mangoes. And it works. I'm actually going to go back to that. Some days when I don't want to eat a watermelon, I'll have a mango. Some days when I don't have mangoes, I'll have cereal. Like, this is still the, it's okay to do something different. And yes. that goes back to, not going to segue way back to our earlier conversations, <laughs> but the giving myself permission to be different on different days. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think, I think variety, you know, variety is the spice of life, as they say. I think it is important to change it up because like I said earlier, when I was doing all chicken and rice, 
it was very hard to keep doing that diet forever because I would get sick of my food. You know, oh, you you are you're that person. I don't like leftovers, so meal prep is something I I can't do because I don't like cooking my food, throwing it in the microwave, and that, I think that goes back to when I was a kid living in poverty, and you know, leftovers were kind of a, they were a gamble every time. So <laughs> I didn't really enjoy leftovers. So that kind of carried into adulthood, and I still don't like leftovers. If I go somewhere and I don't finish my food, I just leave it on the table. I don't take it with me because I know it's gonna just go bad in my fridge. I had a really hard time with meal prepping. I tried it for a while. Couldn't get into it. I can't. I can't. I've tried to. The time saving was amazing, but the meals themselves got really stale. They got really not fun very quickly because I'm eating the same thing for dinner five nights in a row. Now I have a rotation of foods that I like to do. I have a one month rotation of food and I just go week to week and I change it. I need that variety in order to keep myself going. I think it's important for breakfast, any meals that you eat. I think it's important to change it up. When I did meal prep, one thing that I didn't like was if I did it incorrectly, if I didn't put enough veggies or carbs mm-hmm. or protein, then every meal is yeah. going to be deficient in yep. something. And it was worse when I had to go to, when I had to drive into work. Usually I just needed like a protein powder. That's all I needed. Just, yeah. you know, one thing is protein powder, but I can't, I had to go to a restaurant, get a burrito, go to the Indian food and then stuff my face. And then I was over full. Yeah. It pissed me off. One thing I did was I did chicken, not chicken and rice, but I used pork. I didn't add enough pork. Oh, yeah. What would happen was my stomach would be like, you're hungry, you're hungry. And I'd look at this. I'm like, I don't want this. Yeah. I, I am too full of carbs. I'm not going to get anything from this. Yes. I finished the slow carb diet five years ago. And so that it's still been a learning process of how to eat food correctly, yeah. what to eat. And in what proportions yeah. I've done calorie counting. I've done macro yep. counting to the point where I have a huge ass Excel spreadsheet to make the <laughs> counting easier. That's awesome. That's, that's the program. That's the programmer in me right there doing <laughs> that. It is the, okay, cool. I can actually see the exact grams and I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's what you ate and your goal is this. So you are deficient in this many grams. And so you should, you know, now you know how many grams of fat or carbs or protein that you need. And I've tried to, I tried to do that twice. And every time it ended up with me going, I'm not hungry yet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to eat food anymore, but I know I should be eating food. My experience is a little different because I'm a picky eater. I've had to learn how to like foods instead of learning proper foods. Like going back to when I was younger, vegetables were never cooked properly. They were mm-hmm. out of a can. They were frozen. Mm-hmm. They were just thrown in the microwave. Disgusting. Really just, you know, gross, soggy broccoli and that kind of stuff. And so vegetables to me are always very disgusting they weren't good recently i've learned if i cook them right take the brussels sprouts throw them in a pan with a little bit of olive oil salt and garlic they're incredible do you have olive oil here i do have olive oil where the fuck is it oh it's up in the pantry it's up there sorry i used the peanut oil (laughs) oh the peanut oil is still good though i know it is but i'm just like you don't have olive oil. no i've got olive and canola up there fucking a Uh, yeah kitchen's kind of small so it is continue (laughs) um but yeah it, it was really good just like learning how to how to make foods that I thought were horrible and make them delicious. And so I've been slowly learning like, oh, I do like broccoli. I do like Brussels sprouts. I do like lettuce and cabbage and spinach and all of that. It's, it's been really good learning all these foods that I actually enjoy. And I've been able to adjust my diet accordingly. And I feel better. I was a picky eater when I was younger as well. And I had to grow out of that because I had to buy my own food. 
When I first started, it was, well, I like chicken fettuccine Alfredo. So I bought canned Alfredo sauce. I bought the noodles and I bought the raw chicken and the raw chicken was kind of the only thing I had to cook, but I had chicken fettuccine Alfredo was amazing. When I had broccoli, I would add that. And soon it was, okay, let me make my own Alfredo sauce. And then it got to the point where let me make my own noodles. Because I took the time, uh, I think last week, I was like, you know, I need some carbs. I don't want to just have eggs. So I made noodles. It takes a bit longer, but I made them and it was delicious and they were smothered in butter mm. and it was, de- fuck, it was good. Sounds good. Making your own noodles is also quite, when you get it the first time, it's really good. By the way, if anyone here wants to make their own noodles, you don't have to use the counter. Use a fucking bowl. I actually used to make noodles a lot um, when I had a KitchenAid. It was super nice just being able to throw that in. I used to grind my own meat too for ground beef. Ooh. My hamburgers were a thousand times better because I got to choose the fat content of it. It wasn't like 80-20 or 97-3 or whatever the grocery stores decide. I was able to determine how much fat. So I got to make a lot of really good combinations. I got to do all sorts of different like brisket burgers and other things that you just can't find in the stores. I really enjoyed that and I, I really miss having a KitchenAid. I need to buy a new one. You don't have room. Not here. I don't have room, but hopefully my next place I will. We actually don't have a microwave in our, in our, in our house. Once we moved in, we didn't want a microwave because like, just don't, it's too much room. So we actually use the stove and the stovetop for everything. That's the thing we've had to learn. Everyone, when they're like, oh, how do I get into cooking? There, you know, mise place, make sure you have everything there. Read the recipe first. Don't try to make the recipe with friends. No, none of that. You have to change your thought process from I'm hungry, let's eat food, to I know I'm going to be hungry, let's start making food. Because once you're hungry, you're hangry, you open the fridge, you see ingredients. You don't see a meal because you don't have the experience to make a meal when you're hungry. And so you're going to order out again and you're going to go back to the same process and you're like, well, fuck, I need to do this again. You're going to waste money because buying ingredients and eating out Mm -hmm. is more expensive than just eating out. And you have to start small. There's a whole entire thing on how to start things. The Four Hour Chef is a wonderful book on how to slowly learn things. Okay. For example, um, uh, the person he wanted to learn how to flip food. Okay. It is hard to flip food. What he did was he had the pan, he put dry beans in it, and he did it over carpet. And so when he flipped it. If they fell, they're not going to go everywhere. Yeah. And if they fell, so what? You can just make the beans anyway if you want to. Yeah. Finding the smallest thing so if you fail, it's okay. Yes. Learning how to figure that out is super hard. Yes. That's, that's interesting. I've never heard of that, but I'll have to check that out because it sounds like it has a lot of good tips. Take, take the learning, like I said, with making chicken Alfredo. Just make the chicken, buy everything else. Yeah. Who gives a fuck if it's canned? Don't worry about it. Yeah. Make the food. And also, you can always order pizza. Well, unless you can. You can always order pizza. Yeah. That's what it is. If you fuck up, you're hungry, you can always get pizza. You can always, you can always have what you want to eat. Don't be afraid to have it. <laughs> yeah, or veg out. Yeah. Uh, going back, going, kind of going back to the microwave thing. At my last place, I actually unplugged my microwave most of the time. Because I found myself eating a lot of, like, ramen. A lot of that kind of stuff. Just things that weren't great for me. Um, and were just super easy to make. So when I unplugged my microwave, I ended up cooking a lot more at home and I kind of forced myself into better meals. Cooking made me feel better mentally too. That's one of the benefits people don't really talk about with cooking, getting up in the kitchen and spending two hours making a meal. It has a lot of good mental benefits too. Just keeps you going and 
doesn't let you just be lazy yeah. and, and and fuck around. By the so. way, not every meal needs to be two hours. Yeah, not every meal. Yeah, of course, not every meal needs to be two hours. But like, if you're feeling like making something real fancy, yes, then totally you have the two hours to do it. You planned it out, yes. so it's kind of nice and. You can just throw in some music and just kind of enjoy yourself. And it's, I think it's really nice to be able to do that. I've gotten the New York strip and I've cooked it, seared it. I, I did all of that. Like I took it out before I salted it. I dabbed all the water off and I seared it and I cut it up. And me and my wife just watch anime and eat, eat slice by slice. Oh, yeah. It's fucking delicious. I do that all the time. I, I kind of had to stop buying New York strips, New York strips because They're steak expensive. is getting so expensive. I yes. remember like a few years ago, steak was like five dollars for like a good new york strip that same new york strip is like twelve dollars yeah they're expensive but i can't really justify doing it as much anymore but i still do treat myself every once in a while you know eat what you want cook learn and i think just starts and i mean anything just starts small right yes. if you want to get into programming don't make a video game yeah. for the love of god <laughs> don't do that don't make a video game engine unity already has already done that they have billions not billions thousands of people working on their engine you can't replicate a thousand people yeah oh there's this game i forgot it was made by one person but it took them five years yeah start small with everything yep and get to a point where if you make a mistake that's absolutely okay and rest and eat your food yeah i'm pretty sure undertale was made just by toby fox because yeah. he did he did all the music too oh no i was thinking of cloud story cloud, Ooh, cloud story is good yes that yeah that's what i was thinking of I know Toby Fox did all of Undertale by himself. Did he? Mm-hmm. And then he had a team for Deltarune. But he did, for Undertale, he did all the dev, all the art, all the music, everything is Toby Fox. The dude's brilliant. <laughs> Needless to say. I remember when I was uh, watching uh, Speedrun Undertale on uh, GDQ, they were doing the pacifist route, and they got to the final boss. The person who's playing the game is like, it's okay to cry, everyone. <laughs> I've not done pacifist yet. Um, you have I've, not? No, I've not done mm. pacifist. I, I, I kind of wanted to do a pacifist run on Twitch, mm. but the Undertale community on Twitch sometimes gets a little uh, demanding is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to deal with that. So I think when I eventually do it, I'll just do it offline because I do, I do want to do it eventually. I, I, I'd recommend it. It is, yeah. it is quite fun. I'd recommend it. I've done, I've done the full aggro as well just taking everyone out so that was that was a fun one as well and then i did kind of did like my normal playthrough i just picked and choose what i was gonna do but yeah yeah small steps going back to that small steps yeah small steps <laughs> we could talk about small steps today but we have we have been talking quite a bit yeah quite a bit and i got through what i want to talk about okay we talked about the inflection point i call it that i think it's an amazing name yeah i like the name Ask the questions. We talked about that. Is there anything about the inflection point that we didn't talk about that you want to tell people that you're that anything you're like, you know, I wanted to say this, but we moved too far away from the conversation. Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I just think that some of the things we talked about in the inflection point can actually be applied to a lot more parts of our lives than I think people realize. Even interacting with my children, realizing that Getting angry at video games was not the way to deal with it. Also made me realize that getting angry with my kids is not the way to deal with it. Getting angry with coworkers is not the way to deal with it. Approaching things in a much more calm demeanor is so much better. And it's just more beneficial to everyone involved. In programming, it's it's the same. I have done the, I just want to fix this bug. I want to make this thing work. And I know my, how I code changes when I get to that point, mm -hmm. when I'm fine, I will critically think I'll stop and go, what's the best way to do this? Yep. 
when I'm in the point where I'm like, I just want this to be done, I'll write a line of code, compile, run, it fails. Okay, write another line of code, compile, run, it fails. I'll get to that. And then I just get so fucking tired. And yeah, that's the same thing in the inflection point. I'm like, if I just finish this, then I can stop. I think I pretty much said everything I wanted to say. I think it's just something that we can apply to a lot of different parts of our life and different aspects of our life. I think it's a pretty good idea. And I think it's a really good talking point. I would actually like to have a conversation with other people about because I feel like everyone's going to have a completely different and unique experience. I think it was a fun topic. Yes. What about the food? Food topic? Food, food. Yeah, food. Love me some food. Food is good. I think our food conversation went pretty well. I think the biggest thing is just eat what you want, Mm -hmm. but just do it in moderation. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. You know, my, my dad didn't take care of himself, and by 40, he had a colostomy bag. And that was a big part of him just not taking care of himself. He's eating pizza and burgers and drinking tons of Pepsi all the time, just not taking care of himself. And he completely destroyed his insides. I think it's just important to stay on track and just take care of yourself. We did cover a lot of what I wanted to talk about. And I do think just having the conversation and hearing it uncandid helps way more than do A, B, C, and D. Yeah. It's okay to recognize it and it's okay to stop. It's okay to accept that you're angry and accept that. I'm done. It's a video game session. It's not, they're not meant to be played 24 hours a day. They're not meant to be played. It takes toll on your brain. Even if you're relaxing, you're still getting all those images to your brain and it has to prop does do something with it. When I'm tired, there's some games I cannot play because it's still a really big mental thing for me. Yes. It's okay to stop. It's okay (laughs) to not play video games. Sometimes it's okay to not play video games for a day about the food. Start small. Start small, and if you want to get into cooking, start small. Understand that you need to cook first before you get hungry. Mm-hmm. Then you should be hungry, but then that also means knowing where you can eat when you're going to get hungry. Yeah. And if you're used to eating out, that can be pretty variable, Yes, I would believe. Eating at home definitely puts me on a schedule. I know when I'm going to get hungry every day. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice, like 7 p.m. rolls around, and that's kind of dinner time. So I get home around 6, and I actually know I have an hour to cook. Also, it's like almost like a nice ritual I do in the morning. Get yes. up, take a shower, make breakfast, yep. eat breakfast, and then my day opens up to, okay, how do I... My ritual is still there, but it's more open, but it's just something to do, and I don't think about it. I don't yeah. think about what I'm going to make for breakfast. I don't nope. think about what I'm going to eat, and it's great. Yeah. It's nice to just have that static thing that you do mm-hmm. every day, yep. and it's, it's planned out. <laughs> it is planned out. Okay. I think that was great. Where can people find you? You can find me mostly on Twitter. Twitter.com, not x.com. Twitter.com. Slash I, I see you're also. <laughs> slash Lethargic Waldo. You can find me on Instagram, also Lethargic Waldo. TikTok, Lethargic Waldo. Twitch, Lethargic Waldo. YouTube, Lethargic Waldo. If you search Lethargic Waldo, you'll find me on pretty much every platform. I think Twitch is the first hit and then YouTube is the second hit. I have, I have the same name on every platform, including Steam, Xbox, PlayStation, everything. So it's very easy to find me yes. once you know my username. Lethargic Waldo, all on word. Tight. I am Actifireball. If you want to say hi, say hi. You can, just like Waldo, search up Actifireball. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitch. I have a, I think a house of Instagram is Actifireball. And YouTube. My, my name is Actifireball because I don't have subscribers. I don't have youtube.com slash actifireball. It sucks. If you want to say hi, hi, technically, as this recording, there's no way to add comments. I would implore you when there are comments, my dear listeners, to 
add your experiences, to add what you had to go through, what you had to learn to recognize this inflection point and get past it and realize just stop before controllers get thrown. That, I think we are done. Listeners, thank you for listening, and I will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.